Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. In the New Testament, this morning we're going to be starting Luke chapter 19. And the last time the message was titled, To Truly See. Um, little paradox there. It, very interesting in that you, you had the majority of the crowds and Jesus wasn't phased by the crowds at all. But it, if there were dozens, sometimes hundreds, sometimes you know, when he went to the plain or the mount, I mean, there was people everywhere, right? It could have been thousands. Um, and a lot of people, sadly, in the crowds could see with their eyes, but they couldn't see with their spirit. So some people, it was great. Jesus provided free food. He just multiplied stuff, you know. I, my knee is bothering me. I'm going to go see Jesus. Oh, my knee feels great today. Uh, but some of them missed the boat as far as the spiritual understanding. However, Bartimaeus was with another blind man. Bartimaeus couldn't see. He was blind. But here was a man who couldn't see, but he could see spiritually who Jesus was a lot quicker than the crowds could. So it's sort of an enigma or a paradox. Those who could see, couldn't see. And those who couldn't see, could see. Pretty neat stuff, right? So check that out if you didn't get it. And uh, today... The message is titled, Repentance Personified. So we're looking at Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. He's got some flaws like the rest of us. Uh, So we're going to check this guy out and see what his whole claim to fame is. But in all of Scripture, this is one of the most powerful examples of somebody who repented, and you could actually see it happen in real time. He didn't waste any time. He didn't have to be pressed. He just did it. So repentance personified, or you could say he was a walking uh, anthropomorphism of repentance. And those are just big words that just means that when you're thinking about repentance and we're learning about repentance, Zacchaeus comes to mind because he is sort of that, that living example of what repentance looks like. So we'll check that out as well, and we're going to look at this in six parts. So jumping in, Luke chapter 19, it says... Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. He sees Zacchaeus in the tree limb or whatever. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him, received Jesus joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be with a guest, be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So, one out of six is intro to Zacchaeus. If we were doing a college course, who is Zacchaeus? Well, there's some descriptors, uh, some you know, characteristics of him. And A is he was rich, which plays into the story. They, all these characteristics do. B, he was a chief tax collector. Right? He wasn't the bottom rung guys. So um, probably was the reason why he was rich. There was a practice, if you read history, that they used called tax farming. So the tax collectors would take uh, taxes from the people to collect for Rome, and they would squeeze a little bit more out of each person and collectively and aggregately would make them very wealthy. Now, if you're the chief, you're the guy at the top of the Ponzi scheme, well, you know, you can exert your influence and get some of the other tax collectors to give you a percentage of what they were taking. So this dude probably had a lot of money. And C, he was short, which plays into him running around the crowd and going up the tree. D, his name was Zacchaeus, which means pure one or righteous one, which he was probably not living up to. You know, I wonder if when this man heard Jesus preach, his own name haunted him. You know, as parents, we have high expectations for our kids, right? Um, actually, I talked to a couple not long ago who they were so agonizing about their newborn's name that um, the child was born and the hospital said, you, you got you know, you to give us a name. They were still kind of batting it back and forth, right? So, you know, we expect great things for our children. And were his parents disappointed? Were they still alive? I don't know. The question is, are we living up to our spiritual potential? And you know, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe in God, we can. There's something we can do about it, and that's the blessing. All right? uh, we're empowered by God to get closer to Him and to become the thing that maybe we haven't been for some time in the past. Anybody can change like that. Change their life and start walking with the Lord. E. Zacchaeus desired to see Jesus. Now, we're going to have a little fun with Greek grammar. There's three or four Greek words that I know of that um, are translated see in English. S-E-E. Same thing with love, right? Um, unfortunately, you can say, I love this chocolate bar. I love my spouse. Hopefully, you love your spouse more than the chocolate bar. But in the English, there's only word, one word for love, where the Greeks had four words. So in a lot of ways, the Koine Greek was much more expressive than the English. And I, the translators did a great job, but I try to pull out the, more of the flavor when I go into the Greek. So you can see C, 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 all the way through the Bible. But unless we pull out the original Greek word, oh, that's a different word. Blepo is, I see Brad sitting here, blepo. I'm just making a, an observation of his physical form. I know who he is. That's it. However, the Greek word here, and that's what happens when you sit in the front. So um, <laughs> the Greek word here is idu, not blepo, or not the other ones that I know of. Check out this word, this word see. And I really did a lot of research on this. One word. This is the type of seeing that becomes knowing. And then it becomes a gateway to grasp spiritual truth or reality. Wow. First observation, whatever. When you use this word, Zacchaeus sees Jesus, but it's just more than Jesus' form. 
It's the preaching. It's his mannerisms. It's his love. It's his characteristics. So he now makes a connection with Jesus because he understands this is God the Son. Amen? You know, <laughs> I, I just say that if this dishonest chief tax collector, because we're going to, it's almost a, a, in jurisprudence, we would call it excited utterances, he confesses quickly and starts offering anything that he's taken from anybody dishonestly. Um, so if there's hope for him, there's hope for all of us. Uh, let's just read 3 and 4 again. It says, And he sought to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So, right, there's an action here. He ran ahead and climbed up onto a sycamore tree to see him. And he was, because Jesus was going to pass that way. So, two is faith in action. Now, this is important you know, and I, listen, I was guilty of it for a long time in my faith. I would read the Bible to read the Bible, but you were supposed to read the Bible to absorb it, to understand it. So as you start to study these few verses, 10 verses here, um, and you start studying the culture, study history at the time, Zacchaeus, so let me back up for a minute, Jericho was what we would consider a resort town. The real estate was very expensive. Jericho was situated northeast of Jerusalem, and it was roughly 900 feet below sea level, which means when it did rain, the water would come down into this beautiful resort town, and everything was lush and gorgeous. So where there would be arid deserts in the Middle East, some no man's land, Jericho was gorgeous. So you had a lot of wealthy people that lived there. We had a lot of what we would call today elites, Sadly, uh, a lot of religious leaders lived there too because they, a lot of them were corrupt, so they were able to afford this type of lifestyle. But uh, we had tax collectors, and Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. Now, today, um, sometimes people, their sneakers, depending on who makes it, tells a story of you know, what you can afford or your handbags or your jeans or whatever, you know, you got all the names in American culture. Back then, they would have robes. And depending on the type of robe they wore, even the color, believe it or not, would be a, a status symbol. So Zacchaeus, I don't think I'm reading too much into this when I study history. I don't know Zacchaeus, never met him, never saw a picture of him. Uh, but Zacchaeus most likely had a robe and he had status and wanted everybody to know it. And he runs around the crowd. Why does he run around the crowd? If he tries to get through the crowd, some of the people might recognize him and give him a beatdown because he probably ripped off a lot of people in the crowd. So this guy was very brave. He probably girded up his robe, and I'm, this is speculation, and he runs around the crowd and runs up the tree. That is not something an elite would do. And we're told he was a chief tax collector. He was a man who was dignified, at least in his own social strata. He did something that an 11-year-old boy would do if he wanted to see Jesus. He would bolt, an 11-year-old boy, and he would scoot up, and some young girls too, scoot up that tree and hang off a limb and, ah, I got the great, he's coming my way. This was a great tree to climb up. So what we're, what we're I know it's, it's a lot of detail here, but he hungered for Christ. And he didn't care at that point how many people saw what he did. What are you doing, Zacchaeus? That's beneath you. He didn't care. 
because his heart made a connection with Christ and he did what a child would do. And what did Jesus say a few sermons ago that we read? You must become as a child to see the kingdom of heaven. You know, and I think back about my life and I think about when I got saved and I was at the top of my game and uh, in life and it was a learning curve to humble myself and to receive Jesus as a child. Because nobody wants to be vulnerable, especially not 2023 in New Jersey. <laughs> I get it. However, when it comes to Christ, you can be vulnerable. He's not going to hurt you. He just wants, wants to accept you into his kingdom, right? So today, many would never do that. Too proud, too much pride. But I say, don't let anything stand in the way of you reconcile with your creator. Amen? So verse 3, let's go back to this. Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus. Is that redundant? Two forms of the word see. And Pastor Joe, why are you sp- spending so much time on this? Um, well, let's look at this. We covered see, edu, as a mental and spiritual pursuit of Christ. But he sought to see him. The sought part was a different word, which was the pursuit. So the see was I'm making a connection. I, I'm up on this limb. He's get, I can hear everything he's saying. Uh, it's resonating with my heart. My spirit is being quickened. But the sought part was what led him to put feet on his faith and run and climb. Amen? So there's the one part where he makes the mental, emotional, spiritual connection with Jesus, but the part prior to that had to get that part of him to physically near Jesus to hear what he's saying and to observe the situation. It's really powerful. Today, sadly, many are fond of Jesus. They say nice things, but they do nothing to get closer to them. You know, people today, they even go from church to church to have their ears tickled. Oh, let me check out that ministry. Let me check out the other ministry. And they never really plant roots to go beyond a fondness for Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jesus, atheists will tell you. I can quote atheists that will tell you Jesus existed. He was a historical figure. And a lot of eyewitnesses, in addition to his followers, said he did miraculous works. The next point is, is Jesus God the Son? You have to make that leap. The first one's easy. History, archaeology, they'll all tell us that. But the second part is the leap to, is He God the Son? And if He is, then our relationship with Him needs to be one of, of worship of Him. So, powerful stuff here. Um, you know, I would just say to many, anyone here physically or watching on the live stream, are we passively receiving God's truths and doing nothing about pursuing him. We're just passively receiving. Oh, Jesus, oh, it's nice. That's a nice sermon. Once they leave the church, once they leave the teachings, they go back to the world again. That's not, God wants to be, and we're going to talk about the house of your heart, right? So five through six, let me read that again. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him, Jesus, joyfully. Wow. Three, the Lord calls Zacchaeus. Now, why out of the entire crowd did Jesus pick this probably well-known rip-off artist, Ponzi schemer, right, made-off type of person, to eat at his house? Because God responds to faith. 
right? In John 10, Jesus says, if you read that carefully, there's a dual relationship in John 10. You hear a lot about Jesus saying He's the Good Shepherd. The sheep hear His voice. When He speaks today, somebody, a live streamer in this place, they're going to start wrestling with the possibility of saying, maybe I should follow Jesus too. So Jesus said, the the sheep hear My voice. But the shepherd also hears the cries and the bleating of his sheep. And I'm speaking of things spiritually. So there was a connection here. And Jesus responds to the faith that this man not only displays, but what's going on below the surface that people cannot see and hear. So five is Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Now, that could have been off-putting to Zacchaeus. Here's a guy who grew up with a name of pure one, righteous one. Maybe uh, he wanted his friends to call him a shortened version because he was ashamed of his name because he wasn't living it. Maybe they called him Zacky or something like that. I don't know. But this could have been off-putting. He could have looked at Jesus. Oh, I just want to hear his sermon. No, no, no. Come down, Zacchaeus. Get off that tree. Come climb back down. I'm going to stay with you tonight at your house. Whoa, 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 pump the brakes. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to hear a nice sermon. But Zacchaeus, he, he's not put off by it. I think he's, it says he receives him joyfully. And this is important too, to liken a person's heart to a home. Now, the, the, the Hebrews, the Greeks, Romans somewhat used parts of the body, visceral parts of the body to express how they really felt. So, We're not talking about the four-chamber cardiac muscle that sits below the breastbone. Uh, We're talking about Zacchaeus' will, his, his emotions, his intellect, right? All of the things that drive somebody to choose and follow a path or not follow a path. So I'm going to liken, metaphorically, um, a, a person's heart to, to their home. So basically, the house of your heart. Not everyone will let the Lord in. Some people will say, this is my private property. Uh, this is the door is locked. Jesus, I'll come out and talk to you. But And again, metaphorically, I don't feel comfortable letting you in. But Zacchaeus let him in. Some people keep Jesus at a distance. Are we keeping Jesus at a distance? Have we allowed Jesus into the house of our heart. And if we do let Him in, are there certain places we don't want Him to go? Oh Jesus, yeah, this is the living area. Make yourself home on the recliner, but can you just don't open the closet doors and heaven forbid, Jesus, don't go into the basement. There's things that I'm not really sure what's down there. I don't want you to see it. Now I'm speaking metaphorically, right? Some people try to get right with God first, and that's a problem. Because if we're truly trying to get right, become righteousness, number one, it's a self-righteous endeavor, which is impossible. So if you think, and you might be here, you might be listening, saying, I'm going to get right first. Don't do that. Just come to Him. Because you're never going to get right. <laughs> right? And it's, you know, it's, this is the Lord's spiritual house cleaning service. Ding dong, who is it? It's the Lord. I'm here to clean your place. Oh, I don't want to open the closet. You know, let Jesus come in. 
He's a gentleman. He's gentle. He will do it over time, right? Um, but it's something that's good for us. Amen? So Jesus comes to his house and Zacchaeus receives him joyfully. Starting a relationship with the living God, you can't help but be joyful. And I know a lot of people, listen, I, I know people and I've followed f- philosophies. You know, when you go to college, there's a million philosophies. Man-made, women-made philosophies. None of them will bring you joy. None of them. None of them will bring you peace. Peace is very priceless. Um, the only peace you're going to get that contentment is going to come from having a close relationship with God. So Jesus goes to his world, but Jesus didn't become like he was, right? And we were having a discussion about these relevant ministries today. Um, I talked about, I don't do it often, but I believe I've been given the gift of discernment probably seven or eight years before Hillsong crashed and burned. It is a very relevant, cool ministry. And my wife and I were actually watching one of these investigative channels. What a a black eye to Christianity that they were talking about an hour about Hillsong. They spoke about sexual assault. They talked about sexual harassment, multiple forms of adultery. I never liked that guy, Carl Lentz, but he was cool. He wore skinny jeans and he, you know, he wore those cool glasses and they were like, oh, I love that guy. And they sucked in a lot of young people to the movement. And it was a decadent movement, but it was a relevant ministry. Listen, we don't have to come up here and try to, you know, zhuzh the word and, and make it more palatable and, and taste better. It's the word. You accept it for what it is right? So I got a lot of flack when I started calling out this one ministry. He was on this, Carl Lentz, former pastor, was on Oprah Winfrey and The View, and I was open-minded. He could not articulate the gospel. He could not articulate what it means to be saved. He was either way too guilty or he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. So this is the problem with these relevant ministries is they get to the point where their attitude is Almost to become like the sinner to win the sinner. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't go to a brothel. Jesus didn't hang out with people who were actively, you know, hey, I'm going to hang out at the tax collector's booth. Oh, don't look, Jesus. I got to rip this guy off. He's got a few extra bucks. It doesn't work like that. We're not to, we're to become as close, we're to understand people, we're to build a bridge. But we're not to become like the sin to win the sin. And that's where we have to draw the line. So Jesus went to his house. Um, no doubt he allowed, Zacchaeus allowed him to speak into his life. I'll leave you with one more thing because it's just irritating me because there's a lot of lawsuits and uh, uh, Brian Houston, I think, was the head guy. Uh, it, it's throughout parts of the world and a lot of people are suing them because of the horrible things that they've done. There was a video of, you talk about becoming like the sin to win the sin. So cool Carl Lentz, was he was Hollywood's pastor. Sure, there's reasons why he wanted to be that. But he was the closest to Justin Bieber, who has expressed a faith in Christ, but he struggles with addictions. This is all open testimony. And there's a video of them in as Acapulco, uh, Justin Bieber and his pastor, Carl Lentz, throwing down shots of tequila. Why would you do that to somebody who struggles with addictions? What a moron. 
But, you know, I don't use that word a lot from the pulpit. But that's the problem with some of these relevant ministries. They basically, there's no conviction. There's no, you know, nudging from the Holy Spirit. It's, it's very fleshy and worldly. So, again, you know, we, we have to always ask ourselves, am I influencing those around me for the gospel, or are they influencing me away from the gospel? Your status with your relationship with the Lord is always going to be dynamic. It's sort of an equilibrium equation, right? So you have, we have to ask ourselves that. I had a, I had a part with some people initially because I was too weak spiritually to not fall into you know, the inappropriateness of what some of my peer group was doing. And then later on, I got to the point where I started influencing them positively and I wouldn't allow them to influence me for sin, right? And listen, I sin. I repent of my sin, but I'm not going to say, hey, I'm going to go plan to do this. Let's, let's have a great time. There's other ways to have a great time without having to do that type of stuff. So I hope I've been clear on that. Um, Zacchaeus. Now, think about this. It's pretty funny. Zacchaeus had to have, for him to be so forthcoming so quickly, he must have had, I don't want to say guilty conscience, but when you're faced with God, right, you see your own insecurities. You see your own flaws because some have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Some people have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Thank you for shaking your head. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we need Him. So it doesn't matter. My sin, your sin, yours, it's, they're all different, but it doesn't matter. We're still sinners and can't save ourselves. So Zacchaeus offers this restitution, and his actions were bearing fruits of repentance. And we're going to talk about that a, a little later. And I would just say that if anyone who's made a mess of their life, they've stolen, they've cheated, they've done this, they've done that, yes, Christ wants to be in the house of your heart as well. Let him in. Let him in. In Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and knock. He doesn't use the battering ram. He doesn't use the SWAT team. He stands and knocks at the door of of your heart and your life and your ministry. Are you going to let him in? Right? Because he's given us free will. So, um, yeah, that's pretty, pretty neat stuff. Verse 7, continuing on, he says, But when they saw it, right, the onlookers, maybe some of the religious leaders, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. For a common complaint. They all complained. And this reminds me of the social media generation. There is just something about, you know, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's sort of a study in psychology and behaviorism, you know, even road rage. When people have road rage, probably if they met each other at the, you know, the convenience store, they'd like each other. They'd strike up a conversation. Hey, that person cut me off. Hey, that person break checked me. Well, I'm going to show them. And there's this, it's crazy. People have they've been shot out of road rage. There's this sort of thing in our society where they're, we have these boxes that insulate us from other human interaction. And that's where we get angry. We start to not see another person as a, a human being. Social media is a big one. You know, you're sitting there, you could be in your basement with your, your keyboard and your computer, and you're on social media. You're not seeing people. You're not interacting them. You're seeing the world digitally. And social media, you know, well, let person attacks somebody in town who did something. You don't even get the facts. Everybody's pouncing on that poor person. And it could turn out that it wasn't true. 
Nobody bothered to do the due. It's sort of like the mob mentality. But again, we're in our boxes. We're at home. We're at keyboards. Probably if we met that person face-to-face, and that's why human interactions are always going to be better than digital interactions. Listen, I lived long enough. I, was, I actually existed. I'm, I'm not a dinosaur yet, but before uh, the modern computer and social media. So I can compare the two. And I could say that even the kid in school that you didn't like, if somebody was a mediator and got the two of you together, usually by maybe a half an hour, an hour, you'd be okay with each other. But in our culture, we're so separated from each other. And that's the sad thing. So in this situation, this was actually a crowd, mob mentality, and they were all making comments. They didn't like the fact that maybe they loved Jesus' preaching up to this point. Do you know who that guy is? That guy ripped me off. Well, stand in line. He's going to offer you fourfold restitution, right? Do your claim, your EpiPen uh, claim, right? You ever see these things that come in the email? Uh, so I, I also see uh, that can be in the churches today too, and I say that in an aggregate sense. The finger pointing, the finger wagging. Because if we can point our finger at that one person, nobody sees what's going on in our lives. But God sees. And they all complained. Oh, what bad judgment Jesus used. I thought he was the Messiah. How could he go to this guy's house? And it's it's really sad. right? Verse 8, it says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. That's a big restoration, depending on what you took. So five is true repentance. Now, let's talk about what... Let's get the theology stuff out of the way and then move into the application. So repentance. People, sometimes, you know, they're, I don't know, in in Manhattan on some main street and there's a guy on a crate shouting at people, you know, repent, repent. Could you at least explain to them what that is? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I'm getting out of this guy. He's crazy. You know, call police. But repentance is really change, right? It's a change of mind. When, and the change of mind continues into a change of direction. You know, we're, we're kind of going our own way. You know, God's there somewhere. But we're just, everything, every decision, every piece of wisdom, it's all based on our level, a human level. And then there's that repentance. Usually comes in the form of the Word. And you end up acknowledging who God is. And you go further than an acknowledgement, you change. And folks, listen, it, when it happened to me, a lot of thoughts came into my head. How's this going to be received by my peers, my profession, my family? All the thoughts start coming in. So you're either going to change, you're going to turn from your self-directed life and turn towards God, or you're not. But repentance is that change. And that's the simple explanation of what it is. Uh, so, you know, even having uh, the definition, one of the definitions is, is having second thoughts spiritually about what you're doing in life. Right? In addition, again, nobody told Zacchaeus to do this. But again, when you see God and you have an encounter with God in His perfection, remember Isaiah 6, one of my favorite scriptures to teach. Isaiah was a great guy, but he sees the angels and the Lord and, and he's, oh, I'm, I'm a sinful man and I dwell in the midst of sinful people. Right away, he sees his imperfections. But God doesn't want us to sit in it 
and to be sit in shame and put us in a corner and rub our nose in it. What God wants to do is He wants to, he wants to get, become part of our life, right? He wants to help change us and change things around us. So the restitution, when we look at what Zacchaeus offered, and I've studied Mosaic law and Roman law, this was on the high end of restitution. He took the extreme uh, restitution and did it voluntarily. That says something. Listen, I, I run into people who have left a life of crime or a life of evil. I, I, I'm fascinated when I see a video of a testimony of somebody who is a Satanist who comes to Christ. And I, I say to myself, wow, talk about polar opposites. What, what, what was the spark, man? Like, I just need to know. How did this, this start to happen? It's pretty powerful stuff. Mobsters, right? In the mob, organized crime. Bikers and, and bike gangs, which you can't leave or they'll, they'll you know, rip your tattoos off and cut them off of you. I mean, it's really messed up stuff. But they just get to the point where they say, you know what? I don't want this life anymore. I'm looking for a change. Now, people do that all the time. I'm looking for a change, right? They go from one partner to another to another. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about leaving the things of our self-directed life, no matter how good or bad, and looking to follow God, not just looking for a change in the world because you'll just bounce back and forth and still be unhappy. It's just a matter of time. So this is pretty powerful, right? So um, here's an interesting point. The rich young ruler, remember him? Covered him not that long ago? Uh, he had a, an idolization. He had a fetish with his riches. And Jesus said, you got to sell it all. Give to the poor and follow me. Why didn't he ask Zacchaeus to do this? Because Zacchaeus didn't have the same worship and love of his stuff the original ruler did. You see, God will meet us where we're at. Zacchaeus is like, I don't care. Listen, it was half, uh, fourfold. If Jesus said, what about fivefold and three quarters? He probably said, yeah, fine. Yes, there it is. It's in that shed over there. Just take it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, God will meet us where we're at. A rich young ruler worshipped his stuff. Zacchaeus, at some point, just wanted peace. He wanted to get away from it. He wanted a change in his life. And he offered it before Jesus said anything, which is really amazing. John the Baptist spoke about bearing fruits of repentance. And people ask me about that. All right, Pastor Joe, I understand repentance. But what are fruits of repentance? Because I'm, I'm a little confused on the theology stuff. Fruits of repentance are really the observable change. So the change starts in our heart, but the fruits of the... You know, a lot of people do a lot of talking and not a lot of doing. So the fruits of repentance is from the, the heart to the mouth to the hands and feet. So he had... Uh, observable change. Nobody wants to listen to somebody who talks about God and Jesus and blah, 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 and they never do anything. They don't seem to have compassion. They don't seem to care. They just move on from that person, right? Now, Zacchaeus, and I love like looking at the whole situation, he does this in front of a crowd. How many people were in line after he said, I'm going to restore fourfold? <laughs> I remember you. You know what I'm saying? So that was a big risk that he took. It, it goes to show you that he didn't worship his stuff, right? Uh, I, I love that, right? Uh, after coming to Christ, trying to do the right thing, sometimes initially it could be a little bit of a rough road. And 
to me, it's better than living a life that's a lie or a dishonoring life. I have to laugh. My wife, I, I got saved and there was, you know, I lived in a few different neighborhoods, you know, grew up in this place and that place. And I, I said to my wife, yeah, I, I just want to, like now I'm into this thing. I want to call people from my past and tell them I'm sorry, <laughs> right? Some of them are like, are you serious? I haven't talked to you in like eight years, you know? So I just, I, I just wanted to kind of get her off my chest and tell people I'm a different person. But you know what? They got to see the fruits of it. They can't just, it's a phone call. Some of it was good. Some of it, it was, they thought I was weird or something. But, you know, I just didn't want to live that life anymore. I didn't want people to know me by, you know, selling them something and it was defective or something like that. All right, I'm going to stop there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I could have. I don't know if I did, but... Yeah, the car runs. It's a cream puff. It's, you know, it's not a cream puff. Okay, let's continue with the story. That's why when people come to my office and tell me the life that they did and they, they just get it all off their chest, like I don't judge anybody. Like who am I to point fingers at anybody? Seriously. So it's not for us to point fingers. And that's where the crowd, uh, many of them went wrong, pointing the fingers and not looking at themselves. Uh, last few verses, 9 and 10, it says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, speaking of himself, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So six out of six is God receives the repentant. So when you hear repent and believe and you don't know the Lord, don't panic. It just means consider him, change say that you want to start following Him, believe in the sacrifice He made for your sins on the cross, and you will be saved. Right? Eternity. Heaven. Who doesn't want that? So Jesus says salvation has come to this house, and salvation is really the securing of eternal life, not from us, but what Jesus did. We just receive it as a matter of faith and belief. Verse 9, Jesus said, He is also a son of Abraham. Now, I have to kind of do a little sidebar on this. This is a cultural uh, discussion. It doesn't mean that only sons of Abraham, although the Bible, the New Testament tells us that when we believe in Christ by faith, we are those spiritual sons of Abraham. We may not be from his bloodline, but Abraham was a son of faith. We read this in Romans 4. And we're like him when we believe and we trust God for our salvation, right? But so let's go to the cultural part of it. A lot of the Jewish followers most likely protested because he was a tax collector. So even though he was born into a Jewish family, and maybe his parents were wonderful people, to them he was condemned. But he said, this change, this repentance, he is now not only a son by lineage, but most importantly, he's a son by faith. And he was basically calling it out. Now, again, the, a lot of the Jewish people, especially when a Jewish man became a tax collector, they looked at them as traitors. Traitors to your own people. You're the worst of the worst. We expect the Romans to do this to us, but not you. So, imagine that, that change. Um, I wonder... So remember, one of the twelve is Matthew. He, he had his own booth. He was a tax collector. Did Matthew know Zacchaeus? Was Zacchaeus Matthew's former boss? I don't know the answer to these questions, but it's fun conjecture. Did Matthew witness to him when he left his booth? 
Did Zacchaeus say, what are you nuts? This is lucrative. You're a young man. Are you out of your mind? Listen, I'm following Jesus. Who's Jesus? You should come and listen to Him one of these days. And you'll see for yourself. And Zacchaeus comes and he runs and he's like, hey Matthew, I got the bug too, man. I'm following him as well. So it's conjecture. It's interesting. It's fun to play with, isn't it? Right? Um, when, you be, when you get saved, you like to go back to your peer group, your family. When you start to get a little courage and the Lord gives you some strength spiritually, you want the people that you love that are part of your sphere of influence to know Jesus as well. Sometimes it fails. But, you know, just keep praying, just keep asking. And, you know, that one or two people, one or two people saved. That's phenomenal, right? So, verse 10b, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Again, this is the purpose of God the Son coming to earth in fulfillment of prophecy. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. And it doesn't mean the whosoever's are really nice church people. Because when I came to the Lord, I wasn't a really nice church person. I didn't want to go to church. You know, I came kicking and screaming because a friend of mine kept bugging me. Um, And then, it's a long story, but, you know, whatever you did, whatever, you don't know what I did. I don't have to know, right? But the Lord knows. Just give it to Him. Repent and believe and you'll be saved. So, repentance personified. Do you realize how many times Dr. Luke, he looks at the human nature of what Jesus did, and he, he chronicles all these little mini vignettes, these little discussions that Jesus has. Personal, intimate conversations. As if the crowd didn't exist, the noise of the crowd, it was just Jesus, and it was just Zacchaeus. And folks, God's got the world under control Right? He can pay attention to everything that's going on. But when you turn to Him, He focuses on you and He gives you His personal undivided attention. He's a great multitasker. I don't know how He does it, but He's God. So that's Him. Um, Luke talks to us about right the rich young ruler. Interesting idiosyncrasies with him. Zacchaeus, the religious leaders, poor people, disabled people. And he conveys the understanding that God is a personal God and desires a real personal relationship with all of us repent and believe and you will be saved now this is very important as i close it doesn't mean get your life right and come to god it means come to god right and let him deal with all that fallout he's gonna you know just consider him believe change from your self-directed life and believe on his sacrifice for your sins let him in the house of your heart and let him do the rest and enjoy the ride. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you're so awesome. We just love the, you know, it's, we, when we read the scripture, I, I can almost feel in my mind, I can see the tree and the crowds and, you know, it's, it's wild how we, we can just use our childlike imagination to see just your love for Zacchaeus and you knew when you started walking through Jericho, you knew he'd be up in that sycamore tree. You, that's because that's who you are. You knew the path that you would take to run into him. I just pray if there's anybody here who, maybe if they have questions, you know, if you're here this morning physically on the live stream, maybe you tuned in, maybe you came here with a friend, and you're like, well, how do I know that my paths are crossing with God? 
because I don't say this every Sunday. You just happen to be here and just like Zacchaeus, and you're not as bad as Zacchaeus, it doesn't matter, we're all sinners, is that through the Word is a lot of times where paths cross. There's God's path and there's your path. You can continue doing everything in your own strength or you can turn and follow Christ. So as Noemi comes, oh, they're there. <laughs> as they come up, I close my eyes, they come up real quickly. Uh, as the worship team leads us in the last song, I would just ask if there's anybody here who'd like to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, come up out of the pews, come to the front, and just repeat a prayer after me. It's not the words, it's a reflection of your heart. Let Jesus into the house of your heart. You can do it today. You come. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless. Let